0: This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. This is our post-race wrap-up after stage six of the Ski Tour 2020, which was based in both Sweden and Norway. Kind of a new concept. Maybe had some hiccups, but overall, good for the sport. Lots of fans out there. Stage six was a 15K classic pursuit for the women and a 30K classic pursuit for the men. That really was a showcase of some dicey waxing conditions. You might notice a slight decrease in audio quality this week on Devon's side. He was on the road as he is traveling to World Juniors in Germany. Thanks. Were you, were you out adventuring or no? No, I wish I was, but I actually
1: traveled. I'm, I'm in safe out of Austria now. I'm helping out there. Yeah. yeah, I'm helping out the Canadian Junior and Under Twenty Three team. So, gotcha. I'm here helping them out. So, I have a couple days here, and then I take the whole crew to East Germany, Oberwiesenthal. <laughs> Hooray!
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I I saw a photo this morning posted by someone. I don't know if they were in Germany yet, but of the U.S. team, and it looked a little bit dismal to be honest. Oh, no,
1: it's scrappy. It's going to be scrappy. I mean East Germany, sorry for those folks from East Germany, but
0: Yeah, it's a little old school.
1: But in the winter, East Germany is gray, bleak and yeah, not not my not my favorite zone and, and they have a very limited amount of snow right now, so I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna I don't know how this whole thing's gonna shake out with the world juniors starting on the weekend, but um, man, it it could be it could be pretty bleak. I don't know. I, we'll have to see what it, what we're what we're met with in, in a few days here.
0: <laughs> so a couple of things and I wanna go straight to before so we talked the weather was unsettled to say the least, today. Oh, yeah. And there was a comment. I just wanted to read it to you, because I thought, you know what, I'll ask. Let me ask the boss here. Uh, someone posted on Faster Skier. They had just finished They finished watching the race and won things for certain. This was the best advertisement for high-performance skin skis that anyone could, essentially could possibly have had. <laughs> true or not
1: well if such if such a if such a product existed I would hundred percent agree the problem is is skin skis even the racing skin skis and no matter what your shops trying to tell you uh, they're just too're just too darn slow yeah. and you know but they don't ice so
0: that's true <laughs>
1: if you look at if you look at what happened to Bolshinov uh, and the whole Russian team spits off oh my god uh, yeah they they probably would have they probably would have absolutely taken skin skis today.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's start with it. Even though the guy's race was, was second, let's start with the guy's race. And let's start with the image of Spitzoff. Do you want to describe what you saw?
1: Well, he was stilting. At least that's what we call it. He, he, was, uh, he looked like uh, he was working in the circus, the Shriner Circus, and was up on stilts because his grip zone was just an uh, absolute mess. Uh, of snow. I thought he was going to break his ankles with how high how high those stilts were. And we're <laughs> laughing, but I mean, I've had that happen only twice in my career. It's the worst feeling in the world. For those people, I, that's happened to me a couple times, just to have like really horrible skis like that. And um, what ends up happening is they took a gamble. The Russian technicians went with Clister and then it started snowing. And anyone that's familiar with classic skiing... When you have clister under your feet and it starts snowing dry, big flakes, that's going to spell disaster. Whereas the Norwegians were all on rub skis or hairy skis, for those that are familiar with it. Essentially, it's just a classic ski with no grip box whatsoever. And they rough up the, the the kick zone with sandpaper. And of course on the world cup, there is actual such thing as rub skis. They have a little different material in the grip zones, little softer P-TEX, a little softer base material. It with a Fisher would be like yellow. And um, mm-hmm. you saw, if you saw Paul's skis, I think he was using, I'm not sure if he was using black base. I think he was using black bases and the white, the white um, material in the rosinals that, that he was using with the, with the rub skis. So, so essentially it's just sandpaper over the grip zone and that's what they're getting grip with. That's what all the Norwegians had on. And, um, you know, it's, it's been like, we've, I've really complained about the the Norwegian Russian championship that has that this been uh, this ski tour 2020. But when the Russians wax with Clister, it just becomes quickly a Norwegian championship. And that's what we saw today.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, just like watching it and, uh, a train of Norwegians just hunting down Bolshinov, who clearly was. Had no
1: chance. And, and just for people at home that, that aren't super familiar with classic skiing, like Alexander Bolshinov today, right out of the stadium, when it started snowing like that, he had Clister under his feet. I don't care how good you are, you have zero chance. If, if your competitors have rub skis in a condition like that and you're on Clister, you're done. It's over. I thought, quite frankly, I thought he hung in and they're really tough to even finish where he finished. That he finished seventh and kept his head together and didn't just drop out and whip his skis into the forest and do some primal Russian bear roars shocked me. Because I was watching that gap get erased, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, how is this possible? Paul Goldberg is just erasing this gap in no time at all, and then all of a sudden, you saw him start jamming. You started seeing, you saw Bolshinov start icing, and then, exactly, they started showing those clips of (laughs) off back there with all that. (laughs) And and, and then, then you just know. Then you just, like, an experience person would just know, like, Russia missed the wax, and when you see that kind of thing happen, you know it's because they have Clister under their feet, and, and as it keeps snowing throughout the whole 30k, oh, what a heart, I mean, it's a heartbreaker for Bolshinov, and he was the strongest man in the ski tour that he was, and at the end of the day, his technicians took a gamble that didn't work out, and he's left, he's left way back in seventh, and he was not a happy camper at the finish. He hung Hulk Hogan, his—I uh, don't know if you saw that—but like they, they uh, showed him, he took off his skis, didn't congratulate anybody, walked right through the mix zone, and then, then they then they filmed him like Hulk Hoganing it, like just ripping that gold bib, the yellow bib, like just like, rah, like in half. <laughs> he was. Oh, really? I didn't miss that. Oh yeah, no, it was gotcha. hilarious. It was like some WWE stuff right there. So, uh, but I mean, I understand he was obviously crazy frustrated. He had the win. Um, not locked up, but I mean, over 30 seconds and he's been the best classic skier in the world distance, uh, lately. Of course, of course, uh, Ivo Niskanen is in the running for that title too, but this year it has been bullshit off. And instead it was just, I mean, that's what nightmares are made of <laughs> skiing and skiing in a snowstorm and cluster that that's a
0: nightmare. Well, okay. I, I want to, you're familiar a bit with like how the Norwegian wax service works, but Should I make the presumption that, you know, every one of those skiers, you know, I'm looking at a photo sitting right in front of me. I got like the story pulled up of Kruger, Goldberg and and Holland, right? And they're all stoked at the finish, smiling with their, you know, the skis they hand them uh, for the photo shoot. But let's presume at the start, they have a pair of, you know, perfectly waxed Clister skis sitting there and a pair of rub skis or Zeros sitting there is that the way that might work or are they like no nope, we're going with usually, zeros go ahead
1: yeah you, usually it would work like that you'd have everything ready but you know they've been following they follow the weather forecast so closely in norway they actually have contact with meteorologists they do i'm serious Oh, i'm sure i'm like, sure it sounds crazy Not really. but they have relationships with that and they were saying they knew ahead of time that snow was coming so they keep testing, and I've been that tester. I've been that tester skiing around and around and trying combinations after combinations uh, right to the bitter end because they have the manpower to be able to have that, sec- that spare pair of skis or that ski that's good for that condition ready. Mm-hmm. And um, with 20 minutes to go before the race started, nothing working. Nothing was working. Like there was they were quoted like the the head technician, Stan Olaf, was quoted saying like twenty minutes before the race, absolutely nothing was working. That's when we knew and we told all the guys, you're going on Rubskis. Because Rubskis were working and they didn't have to retest the Rubskis, they just knew th- that armada of guys that are going around testing on various combinations, maybe eight to ten different waxing combinations, nothing was working. And when that happens, then you just have to say like we gotta trust the rubskis, it's our only chance and that only chance ended up, I mean, making a mockery of the final standings of the ski tour because Norway has been the strongest country in the world. We've been talking about that over and over and uh, ad nauseum. And now when they have great skis and their competition has garbage, like it's, I mean, Jesus, they had no chance and they sweep the podium and, yeah, I mean, it was there's some surprises with that, too. I mean, I thought Kruger and, and Holand driving so late on that last lap like that, mm-hmm. I was sure that Claybo that was going to come back and just smoke them. Me, too. But, uh, they, but they were too strong. They were too strong. Kruger and Holand really drilled it, and they drilled it fairly early on that last lap of the 30K, and it wasn't enough. And I was surprised to see to see Claybo finish in sixth, if I'm being perfectly frank. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the the the, whole Nor- the the depth of the Norwegian program right now is scary good. It's the best ever, and cross country skiing has a rich history, especially in Norway. So in a hundred years, Norway has never been better. Uh, period, and not really? just in the ski tour twenty twenty, but in this whole. Oh yeah, if you go back and you compare like the 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 golden age of Norwegian skiing with with Bjorn Dolly and Vegard Olvang and uh, Erling Yevna and Thomas Allsgard, sit down, not even close. Like the dominance of this season has been astronomical on the men's side and they put it on full display and they got a little help as well. And oh, it's, I mean, if you're a Norwegian ski fan, I'm sure you're really excited to see those guys ski well and they do ski better than everyone else. And they're well-trained and they have a great technical team, but the world needs to catch up because this is, it's not Norway's problem that they're better. It's the rest of the world needs to start believing and make changes and train better and prepare better and, and just be better because this shouldn't happen. A dominance like this should not happen.
0: Okay, here's one last question about the gear, okay? Because, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, owning a pair of rub skis or Zeros is fairly common if you ski a lot. Um, yeah. And when they work, they're great. But why the, aver- you know, why like, okay, you know, no, let's find the wax, let's find the wax. And at the last minute, they're like, okay, let's go with the rub skis. Is it still the c- considering, you know, that it's apples to oranges rather than apples to apples when it comes to ski speed? I mean, what would be like the relative aversion you know, if it's working?
1: Well, it's not just, you know what the, you know what the aversion is, Jason, is, is that ha- it's tondelag. Like I've been talking about the last few days, the weather sucks. <laughs> and you see that big snowflakes falling, but the second that snow stops, if that snow were to stop and the sun came out, after 3K, guess who wins? Bolshanov. Yeah, yeah. Because it, inst- it glazes instantly, and guess who has zero grip and fairly slow skis? Everyone on rub skis. So that's the risk they run, but they were pretty confident that once it started snowing, it wasn't going to stop for that hour and a half, and that was the quote-unquote gamble the Norwegians took, even though they're really trying to control those variables like I talked about. I mean, when a ski team is talking with meteorologists and following the weather that closely, like I'm not talking about like checking the weather apps on their phone.
0: Right. I'm talking
1: like speaking with like professors,
0: like you know what I mean? Right. So, no, I know. It's like yes, it's like uh to throw into the climbing world now. It's like people pay really good money to get advanced forecast or very detailed forecast yeah, in the in, big in range. In
1: Patagonia for example.
0: Right, exactly. Totally. Yes, exactly, that's exactly that's the
1: game they, that's the game they played, and they were pretty confident that it was going to keep snowing, and those Rob skis are just going to keep working. But that's the gamble. The gamble is that if it starts if it stops snowing, on rub skis, especially in those temperatures hovering around zero. And if you're in a place like Trondelag where the sun could come out, just for the people at home that don't know what Trondelag is, that's the province or state that Trondheim is in. I gotta <laughs>
0: say, like, Trondheim sounds like kind of like, oh, let's go to Trondheim. Trondelag yeah. sounds like. Uh, let not go like there. Like a gulag like, type place. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like a troll doll, like a troll valley right, or something. Exactly. do go there. And that's what it is. So don't go there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But it's uh no. So that that's the aversion. And and for the men's race, like honestly, Jason, like I can't really wrap it up any more than that. Like yeah. Norway was Norway was given it, given a gift on a silver platter, and it's a gift they don't need because they're, they're they're already better. And what, a, what an amazing way to finish off a ski tour for the first ski tour 2020. They had their challenges. Ski tour 2020 had their challenges looking back, especially with some logistical issues, some accommodation issues. They had some hiccups. But at the end of the day, the Norwegian fans go home happy. It couldn't yeah. have ended any better. All top six, the top three men and the top three women go to Norway, which is not good for the sport. I agree. But again, it's not Norway's problem. It's the rest of the world's problem to figure out.
0: And I forget, who, uh, yeah. Kudos to the woman who really kind of spearheaded this. Guri oh, Guri Hetland. Guri yeah. Hedlund. Exactly. Yeah, Guri
1: and I, I, I have so much respect for yeah. Guri and she did by and large, a good job in some aspects. She had some big misses as well during this ski tour. And I feel so bad for her to have to answer to all those issues because, without getting way into the weeds of how FIS works, each venue has so much more autonomy than let's say an IBU world cup has, you know, uh, it, like the coming, this is coming back again to your conversation you had earlier in the year with Vega and And, and the fist structure is really strange. So, some of these mistakes, yes, it, it did fall to Guri, but it was also FIST that has to take some big responsibility for some of those misses. We're, we're talking about like the accommodation sure. or some of the some of the transportation issues. I know they were trying to go green, greener with uh, trains and buses and everything like that, and there was some serious hiccups with that as well during this ski tour. So, but uh, good on Guri. I thought it finished off as as well as could be expected. Trondheim was a great venue, yeah. and, and even the crowds today, considering the weather, was just horrendous. Uh, and the World Championships were finishing up in Bathlon, which Norwegians like to to watch as well. But uh, they drew a good crowd both days in Trondheim. And if you're a Norwegian fan, like I've said already, I mean, if you're going home thrilled because Norway just absolutely smacked the world.
0: Yeah, I err on the side of like bringing World Cups to places where there are people watching. It just adds to the festivities. So I enjoyed totally. Yeah, seeing people out there totally.
1: I'm totally agree with you. They love it. They love it. They know. They know skiing. And a place like Trondheim that has had so many great skiers over the generations just don't get that many opportunities to have World Cups and they should because the the venue up there is amazing and the atmosphere is fantastic. So you know it was uh, what a way to what a way to finish off the party. okay
0: we move Let's on to do the that women? So <laughs> again Norway, Norway, Norway uh, but that was sort of locked up yeah. that, that one was
1: that one' over That was over after the long stage when Ebe Anderson had bad skis, uh, slow skis on the 34k stage nice. that 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 competition was over for the for the podium and again teresa yohag i know she's the talk of the town and she's the talk of the maybe the decade well, mara biergen is in the running for that she's the talk of the last two years that's for sure and it's the same thing too i mean i get a little frustrated because you know teresa Johag is is getting leveled with a lot of journalists saying like you're ruining skiing like you're single-handedly destroying the sport of women skiing and it is not Theresa's Yoha it's not Teresa Yoha's fault that she's better. I mean it's 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 your competition and the other it's the field. It's the field's quote unquote problem or it's it's their it's their problem to solve. They need to come up with a way to get better, to compete with her. And and I feel bad for Theresa having to answer questions like that. She's just doing the best she can with her training. She's working hard every day she believes in herself and she's a freak of nature like i said like she's she's the most talented female endurance athlete i've ever come across and in other sports these things happen what i said well before we, when we lost each other was like kareem abdul jabbar was also quite the basketball player wasn't he you know that lakers that lakers dynasty or those boston celtics dynasties like these teams were were just unstoppable the golden state warriors a few years ago i mean they barely lost games you know, and this is just how it is when you're just head and shoulders better than the rest. Usain Bolt. How many hundred meters did Usain Bolt lose? You know, like some people are just better. And Teresa hog is. It's not, it's not on her to fix skiing. That's what I'm trying to say. The, the, competition needs, the, the competition needs to get better.
0: They need to figure it out. But I think the dynamic, you use the analogy of like, like basketball, right? How, how is basketball in Sudbury, by the way? <laughs> Not the best. <laughs> okay. So, but you use the analogy of basketball, but like after each basket that's made in theory, the other team gets the ball and gets their opportunity. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's like, at least visually you see a if the ball gets stolen away, it's yeah, true. you see something that's there. It rather than what you're seeing constantly in particular, like a 15 K, uh, pursuit start, which he has a two and a half minute gap off the front, yeah, it's just over. Yeah, it's over, and you're only seeing like, oh, there she is. And in fact, today she gained time, right? It wasn't even like Westberg yeah, and Van no, no, could no, bring no. her back no, no. a little bit.
1: No, not even close. No.
0: So that's, I think, the visual's hard.
1: Oh no, no, for sure. I understand. And then, and then, I you know, I keep bringing up the same bolt. And you're right. You're saying the bolt is under ten seconds, so there's always a chance, right? you could fall start. There could be someone that comes and gets him. Yeah, and if maybe, and if yeah. and if not, and if that doesn't happen, who cares? It's over in ten seconds. And whereas a fifteen k, the race is over in ten seconds, and then you have to sit there and watch skiing for forty minutes, <laughs> Well, to a dis- The
0: only analog I can think of, and it's a crude one because we know he was completely juiced, was like you know Armstrong would be shepherded to the bottom of the last climb and yeah, off you go. Yeah, exactly. It was like the biggest slam yeah, dunk. Yeah, no,
1: totally. Or 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 Pantani, who is also dope. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it it no, it's true. It's true, though. It it is true, and um, uh, those are hard comparisons to take. But
0: no, no, Wait, I, I don't want to insinuate that's what she's you, doing. You,
1: you know how I and and all the listeners know how I feel about yeah. it as you are. I mean, they know that I I tro- truly believe she's clean athlete fully. Yes, I know. Then we don't need to cover nope. that again nope. with their okay. doping test. Yep. But uh, but but it's but I believe she's winning like this clean and uh, she. But she's just better. She's the highest female recorded VO2 max in Northern Europe. And I mean, I don't know if it's hard to compare that to the rest of the entire world, but I find it pretty hard to believe that there's many females in the history of endurance sport that have measured a higher VO2 max than her. And, and coupled with that, like she's relentless. She's relentless with her technique. She's relentless with her training. She's, she's just a, She's never sick, like I've talked about. She wants it. She her motivation is just this endless, endless bucket of motivation that she can keep going to the well with. And you know, it's for the field to pick up their socks. And 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 they need to. And and then the other women as well are beatable. We've seen that. Heidi's had a great season this year, but look at the last two seasons prior to this, right? Even Ingveld who like last season had a real breakthrough at the world championships. You start looking back through her championships prior to that. Where was Ingveld's least at Osberg in the Olympics in 2018? Where was Ingveld in the 2017 world championships? You know what I mean? Like these women are beatable. Like they're totally, they're totally beatable. Um, Careza right now is not beatable, but again, it's not on Teresa to change scheme. Like, she can't help herself she can't help the competition get better that's that's for the competition to do on their own
0: she is 31 years old i believe and you know she she missed out um her ban her her doping ban took her through the 2018 olympics in south korea so she missed that and um you know if she keeps steady and healthy she has 2022 20, to look forward to in oh, Beijing. that's a big
1: motivation. You know that's a big right. motivation.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that's important to her to, is, is to collect some hardware in the Olympics. Gold. And gold. Yeah. Gold. So do you think she has six more? I mean, certainly she has two more years in her. That puts her at 33. Does she have six more years?
1: That, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to say. And again, the reality of, of endurance sport is like women, if they want to have kids... Then you start, then you or have like multiple kids. Then you start getting up against like, yeah. But there's that. There's that issue, not issue. It, there's that question that has to be asked, but with you and your partner. So Teresa and her and her partner would at that point would have to have those discussions because six years <clears throat> that puts her at 37. But then, you know, you never know. If you can have kids right away, nobody knows. None. But, I mean, being a high-level cross-country skier probably doesn't help that situation that that's, much.
0: That is true. But, uh, is but true.
1: regardless, you, there's, just, there's a lot of questions with that. So that, that's hard to know. But you can absolutely rest assured that Teresa Yohag is, is in it for the next two years big time. And this gold, individual gold medal at the Olympic Games it looms very, very large for Teresa. And that is motivating her hugely. So, I mean, for a competition, it's going to be tough in the distance races to match her, but it's not the time again to just like lay down and get your belly rubbed and go like, I can't do it. I mean, that doesn't help. That doesn't help anybody. So you have to find a way to find the motivation and belief that you can improve. And, and as long as you're improving, uh, that's all you can really ask for. And you got to hope that you can. Do that year after year, and find yourself competing at the top, much like the American women are doing. I mean, the American women again in the ski tour. I thought again, you know, they, they had three in the top twelve in the overall. They were Jesse, Sadie, and Rosie. And this is a that's a that's a great result for three athletes in the top twelve internationally in cross country skiing. And and this is granted that you had Sadie having a a. a Tough go here, you know. Sure. So, so sure.
0: Uh,
1: I think it was solid. I, and um, now they can really look forward to Jesse and and the and the whole crew can really look forward to their home World Cup, which is coming up really, really soon. How exciting that going to be? I can't wait. That's going to be so much fun. And there's lots to look forward to in skiing. So I don't think we should get so hung up on the fact that Therese is so much better than everyone else in the distance races. One. One more thing with that, though, is I keep hearing about like all the courses they're making the courses too hard. So now, like now, women have like it favors like lighter women. It's like. Teresa can beat you in Davos. Teresa can beat you in Lillehammer that is hard. She can beat you in Falloon when there's no hills. She can beat you anywhere. She's the best year in the world. Like, so, like, that, that's a mute point. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous point. And Ruka has been the same course for God knows how long. A lot of these courses have been the same forever. It's not like they're all of a sudden right. making right. these courses harder. The hardest course I've ever skied in my entire life, no question, is Sochi in 2014. Mm. You know, right. and that was, that's six years ago. I, I haven't skied a course that comes close to Sochi since that day, though that, those 16 days. So, I mean, I don't know. I think everyone's trying to find these excuses as to why Perez is winning. Like, here's the answer. She's just better.
0: It's interesting because I don't necessarily think she's destroying the sport. Um, I think that Fist maybe needs to do a better job of figuring out how to cover more of the pack. And giving, and we've talked about this giving giving the con, yeah giving the consumer yes, more latitude or flexibility yeah. about like what they're watching. So sure, I want like Yo Hog on one little screen, and I want to see like what's going on with Jesse Diggins, and then maybe I want to yeah. So that's like for example, it would have been awesome to watch like that pack totally. You know when the mass start at eight minute ba- eight minutes back in the women's side. Yeah, yeah, the, the wave.
1: wave. Yeah, see the wave going.
0: Exactly. So how's that manifesting and playing out? Because
1: we saw what Krista did. Like yeah. Krista Parmakowski right. had a great day. Exactly.
0: But we didn't right. see anything. So those are the kind of things. And, and just to kind of go back, so Chris, Krista Parmakowski started eight oh eight back, which I think was the designated wave start for the for the women. She was in bib thirteen.
1: Yeah, and we didn't see. And, yeah, and we didn't see anything of that right. competition. Right.
0: So that's what I mean. Like again, it's. Maybe it's splitting hairs, but like an athlete, let's just face it athletes like Yohog are going to come around again. And, you know, maybe she's once in a generation, but generations do occur, right? There's multiple generations. Oh, so, yeah. like coming up with plans to sort of diversify and making it a better um, production value might mitigate something like that, if that makes sense. No question. Oh, I, I am 100% on board with you. I'm 100% on board.
1: You have to tell a story. And and if you're going to continue using this old way to tell the story, which is just follow the leader, this is what you get. This is
0: what you'll get. I mean, I, I mean, it worked out great on the guy's side. But yeah, it, that it, it just did, was – yeah.
1: no, it totally did. It, it did work out great on the guy's side, other than the fact that the Norwegian men's team is the strongest it's ever been in 100-plus year history. And the rest of the world is the worst they've ever been in a hundred year history <laughs> other than Russia. <laughs> like, so, so no, because that, that's true though. I mean, Italy has never struggled as much as they have now in distance racing. Germany didn't even show up They're They're struggling in distance racing, like ridiculously. So Dario Colonia is carrying the Swiss team completely by himself and he's not the athlete. He has been the on Cusus the guy's decade. side.
0: On the guy's side. Oh, this
1: is on the, this is on the men's side. Yeah. Fendrick's been awesome. Uh, but uh, and, and then you have Canada it Was we're going through a real rough patch with the men. I mean, we, yep. Yep. we were, we, we were, we struggled big time in the ski tour this year to the point where like the, the fact of the matter is, is like, it's great that some of those younger athletes get, get some experience, but they weren't, they weren't at the level to start. That, that's, that's obvious. I mean. They weren't they weren't good enough. They weren't ready. They weren't ready for, for such an event like that. And now they have some World Cup experience and I hope instead of being disappointed that can motivate them to do a better job and come back stronger next time.
0: Okay, but so that's you, the facts. Yeah, and sorry. Then, to interrupt. The, Go ahead.
1: The, no no sorry. And then I was just gonna say like the American men are also on the distant side of things, like really going through a rough transition. You have David Norris who's had a really consistent season and had some great races in the ski tour as well. And then sprinting, they've been fairly strong here, or like solid for the American men. But the American men distance squad, they have a lot of work to do. I mean, you have Bjornsson that's struggling with his motivation or something, and is back in the U.S. doing some loppets. You have David Norris, who's just carrying this by himself. And then you have Scott Patterson, who has to find that top level again. You know, like he has been good and he's, he's been off his, his game. And then when you couple all this together against the best Norwegian team ever, it just, it just looks so bad. You know what I mean? But it's, again, it's not Norway's fault.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So a couple of things on, on that. So like, I haven't spoken to Scott. I know he posted something on social media, you know, he's pulling the plug. He's got some injuries maybe, or just like fatigue. Um, how does an athlete? And I also want to touch base about junior worlds before we get off. But yeah, like how does an athlete reset? Like holy smokes, I got shellacked, and two years ago in the Olympics, I think off the top of my head, oh, that maybe he came in eleventh. Yeah, something. Yeah,
1: he was knocking. Maybe eleventh at home. Yeah, he was knocking on the door. He was thirteenth, eleventh. He was like, re- he was really, really good in those those closing. That that last. Five weeks of the season he was he was he was on he was fire. knocking yeah he was on fire to the point where he was knocking on the door and you've heard me say this a lot you've heard alex say this a lot in interviews throughout the years too. top 10 once you're racing into the top 10 that's truly elite and if you're 11 well, that doesn't 13th, just go you're away really does it? you're really close no of course it doesn't go away and quite frankly good decision decision by scott to pull the plug i just hope he rests and does the right does the right thing And now, okay, if you have some injuries or motivation or you're tired or what, take the rest and take it all the way to the 1st of May. Because this happens sometimes too. You'll see athletes stop early. And then, of course, after a month, because that's what they're used to taking off, quote-unquote, they feel better and they're like, well, I'm going to get a jump on the competition. I'm going to start in April because I took my month off in March. So now I'm like, I'm going to get one more month of training. And then guess what happened? This exact same thing that you did last year. You hit the wall again because <laughs> <Just laughs> you, you need to.
0: Yeah, but what is that? That's a, the other thing that's so funny about y- your caliber of athlete. It's like, yeah, time off. It's like, there they are. They're on their like 80 mile trail run. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, they're they're
1: do- oh, Backcountry skiing for three weeks. Oh, yeah. You know,
0: I mean, backcountry skiing, right. I mean, that's still to me, I'm like, hmm. Seems fatiguing, but whatever. I, they have to please yeah. the soul.
1: No, no. But and but that's the, that's the part of the fatigue you have to figure out. You have to rest mentally because it's hard getting beat down, especially someone like Scott that knows he's good enough or close. He's so close to good enough. He's never been top ten, but he's close. <laughs> like you know, so he knows he's close. But so you but so you do need to rest the mind, and that's where maybe the things he likes to do, like adventuring around Alaska, that is important. You can't just not do that. But then you need to like chill and if you can't do that in alaska then you need to go somewhere where you you, you have to like go to some caribbean island or hawaii right, or right. i don't know <laughs> like get the get the flu start like oh. start licking doorknobs so and forces you to sit okay. on your butt for three weeks that's a bad strategy don't do that
0: but um, it is a bad strategy especially right now Yeah, i no, exactly. we don't want
1: you don't need coronaviruses no. that, that, that's not necessary but if you know what i mean you have to you have to rest mentally but you also have to rest physically and and uh, i hope he takes the time if you make a decision to call your season early, then then that gives you a chance. It gives you months, two months plus, two months plus to to find the answer.
0: Okay. You are at Junior Worlds or U 23s. you are with the Canadian team. And I know like last year they've got a they've got some good skiers. Oh man, um, we got some
1: good juniors, man. I'm pumped. Yeah. And and they're pumped. So well, what
0: do you tell them? But uh, you know,
1: the a junior all the junior races is just a stepping stone in your career. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to instill in into these the, the kids and the generation. Let's have fun, let's have a good time. It feels like the it feels like sixteen Olympics. You're so fired up when you're a junior and you think this is like your whole world. But this is just one stepping stone on the on the journey. So have have a good time.
0: And what is your specific role?
1: I'm just kind of your everyman. <laughs> like I'm kind of a coach, uh, while doing some coaching, absolutely some coaching, and then uh, helping the tech team a lot with uh, some waxing and some ski testing and everything strategy going through the courses with the athletes I did that last year and that they had some good feedback throughout that they found that really valuable so that sort of stuff and uh, yeah motivating them and, and just being there just having someone to talk with that's been there before I mean I've, I've done so many championships and I've been I've seen a lot so so I think uh, last year it worked really well where I I really enjoyed my myself and my time that's the most important I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just joking uh, but uh, I got good feedback and, and like you said, last year at the World Juniors we had, we had some really strong results and people had a lot of fun and that's the most important at this level, to be honest I think and um, they learned a lot and now we'll see how it goes this year. But no matter what happens at under 23s or, or world Juniors, this is just this is just the, you just started. You, you just laced up the shoes. If you, you want to compare it to like doing the Appalachian Trail or the PCT or something, like great, you put your shoes on, you made it one day and how you're camping. Like That's your first World Juniors experience if you really want to have a full career where you race multiple Olympics and, and podiums on the World Cup, that sort of thing. So you got to walk before you can run, and, and uh, <clears throat> well, we want to run a little bit too, but have a good time doing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you should go introduce yourself. If you haven't met her yet, Bernie Nelson, who's a U.S. Ski Team development coach, yeah, powerhouse.
1: I, yeah, I will. I, I I've, I've never had any contact with her or anything, but I think it's a great introduce initiative. yourself.
0: Yeah, I will. Yeah. I
1: will. It's a great initiative, and and uh, I've nothing but great things to say. I mean, people that listen to the podcast probably probably are sick of hearing me sing the praises of the uh, the American coaching staff, but um, you know, Grover, Cork, um, Fish, Matt, the whole crew over there, just. Have done just such a wonderful job over so many years, and it's cool that they brought Bernie into the mix, and she's she's taken on the the best junior team in the world, in the men's on the men's side of things in the U.S. and then the women. I know I I know I said that they were third, and they weren't. They were, but they have been second. They were. But they, they, they were fourth. Just... They were fourth. I was there. I was fourth. <clears throat> yeah. And I was there, so God. I know. And they were okay. second. But they so. were close. Yeah, they no, close. for sure. But so
0: And not to and they were fourth and I think they were like
1: Oh, it was super close. At least
0: well, there were two U eighteens at the time on that team.
1: Oh, and they have a great they have depth in the men and the women and, and and Bernie has just such a great uh, man. What a what a great team to take take the lead on, and uh, she's got great help around her with some coaches that have just done a phenomenal job for over a decade. So it's really exciting times for the U.S. But we've got some great we've got some great young skiers here. Uh, on the Canadian team so I'm looking forward to seeing them have a good time and, and a lot of them actually not a lot but there's a, a few of them are actually the NCAA racers as well which is also kind of fun to see because it hasn't been a lot of Canadians in the NCAA system over the last
0: 30 That's years. right the physicist is there from Harvard Yeah
1: Oh yeah Remy, Remy Drolat is our best chance no question and he's uh, he's taking physics at Harvard so <laughs> he's a high achiever <laughs> let's
0: be honest <laughs> There has to be a few out there
1: Yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. So, well, let's see. He was seventh last year in the 30k. Um, yeah,
0: I remember he so, did well. And,
1: and he's a junior again this year, of course. So, but uh, you know what? Every every race is different. The conditions are different. You never know. And they're young. Athletes are young. But, but it'll be exciting. And uh, this is, they've got a lot of good energy. And that's what's fun about working with younger athletes like uh, junior and under 23s. It's a, it's a, there's great energy. They're not they're not so cynical like like the, the old guys like me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, have a good trip. And we'll yeah, thanks so
1: much. We'll touch base, next weekend. Speaking of watered down.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, speaking of watered down, meaning because everyone's coming off the tour.
1: I don't know, Fizz. Come on, man. Like you have so many goddamn weeks, and now you have Lottie, and then there's 50ks in Colon and then you're going to Minnesota. Like, yeah, it's,
0: watered, it is. It, it is mean, interesting, but it's like Lottie after the Olympics. I mean, I
1: know, no, no, it's two. Oh, that's it. Was two. like that's whoa. Two.
0: Five days later, it's like boom. A World Cup. Yeah,
1: that's true. No, it's true. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you know, there's a there's a, a decent amount of Norwegian skiers that will come with a lot of motivation. So we'll have to see if Evo can do it in in, in the hometown, like always.
0: I haven't looked. If it's a 15K Classic, classic.
1: Um, it is. he's my it money. Is. It is a 15K Classic But <laughs> I was going to be pretty pissed after this little fiasco today, too. So it should be a fun. should be a fun 15K on the weekend.
0: Okay. Have a great week.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jason. Take care.
0: All right. Take care, Devin. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and we will be back next weekend, both Saturday and Sunday with our post-race wrap-ups from Rlaati, Finland.